34 past one. Chad Hartman back here with you on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's time for this longtime partnership between the Star Tribune and WCCO Radio. John Rash and Scott Gillespie join. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. As we talk right now, it appears we are either 30 minutes away or an hour and 30 minutes away from the governor announcing an outline of shelter in place for Minnesota. He will give us the specifics. He will contrast with other states, including our neighbor, Wisconsin. Let me go to both you guys on this one. John, you first. Are you surprised that this action is taking place today? I am not, because I think that Governor Walls and the key decision makers at the state of Minnesota have been data-driven and have been relying on the science more than the politics and even the economics of this situation. They look and see most likely what's happening in New York and Washington State and portions of California and perhaps other portions of the country, Louisiana and Georgia among them, and realize that now perhaps is the time to move in this direction. So my sense is that he got that advice from his key advisors and He's going to let the state of Minnesota know about it in just a short time here. Scott, I think that's the key because Walls during his uh, either press conferences or now since he has been self-quarantined, the teleconferences has emphasized the data. And, And during yesterday's teleconference, he talked repeatedly about the modeling from the University of Minnesota. We know that the Mayo Clinic is a part of it also. And, and I understand, I want to get into the debate here about opening up the economy, but I think for most of us, when we're wrestling with these decisions, we want to have as much access as possible to what the governors have or the senators have and the president's, president has when he's making this decision. And Walls can do this today, and I'll be, I'll be curious how detailed he's going to be. I would guess that he'll be fairly detailed. I think that one thing that's marked Governor Walz's response to the to the virus has been a very deliberate step-by-step approach. And you could even argue maybe uh, a day or two behind uh, some other states in terms of school closings, for example, and now whatever this order is going to entail. But he's been very deliberate about it. I think some of the data that private firms have, have uh, produced already uh, shows that uh, Minnesotans have, have largely hunkered down, uh, yes. you know, and that's a good thing. But I think now I th- the governor's thought process, I would guess, is that we got to go another step here to ensure that we you know, go back to that original goal of flatten- flattening the curve so that we don't overload the hospitals and we have the best care we can give people and the fewest number of deaths. John, I want to encourage people to continue to send texts during this segment because the response and the really smart comments and questions have really stood out. So keep sending those through a text at 651-989-9226. And I think this is a really good text here because we've talked about how what is taking place in New York, which is just horrific. No other state is close to that. Should there be one policy for New York compared to, let's say, South Dakota, wherever it might be. And a texture raises the same question here about Minnesota and says, I can fully understand the shelter in place 
for heavily populated urban areas. But does it really make sense for some of greater Minnesota, where the population is very different, small towns, and, and what people are doing? The question is, John, can you come up with that, that detail, those specifics, where it doesn't create confusion? Very, very difficult, particularly in a democracy and in a free-flowing society such as ours, where if people don't like the rules in the metro area, they can get in their car and drive to greater Minnesota and have a different set of standards. And if that person happens to be uh, afflicted with COVID-19, then that can spread the disease and the problem quite quickly. And so it becomes quite difficult. Now, that also leads to an argument of whether there should be 50 different policies in these great United States. And that seems to be the patchwork that we're moving toward, although there seems to be some significant unanimity on some key issues among uh, the industrial Midwest and eastern states that have adopted this at this point. I think it's going to be quite compelling to see in about 17 days when Easter rolls around, if indeed some states act on President Trump's desire to have things get rolling again, as he says, on Easter, certainly that's a goal that everyone would want to have, but to a significant degree, most scientists say that that's far too early to do something like this, but are we going to get political differences between states in terms of the degree of support for President Trump, both among the populace as well as governors of those states? And are we going to really have a patchwork at at that point? Or, and certainly no one wants to see this, but will the news out of New York and other areas be so overwhelmingly dire that even the president doesn't try to prod the country to open up by Easter as well? And that's going to be one of the big stories over the next fortnight or so to watch. So, Scott, let me Chad, if up. I could, yeah, go ahead. I just, sorry, I wanted to add sure. one other thing on the rural areas question. I understand the impatience in urban and rural areas, but folks in rural areas also have to remember that they don't have the health care infrastructure that we do here. They have very few ICU beds. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be last to get some of the equipment that you're seeing be uh, in shortage uh, around the country. So, Minnesota is supposed to surge over April. We're not a very patient culture by nature. Could we be patient through April? Uh, well, I, I think, Scott, that's a bit of what Governor Walls was alluding to yesterday when he was saying this is going to go beyond Easter and maybe right. weeks beyond it. Let me, <clears throat> excuse me, let me just talk about a few of the guests we've had on the last couple of days from Mike Osterholm on Monday to Tom Friedman and State Senator Dr. Scott Jensen yesterday, and all three in different ways, and, and two of them doctors, and Tom Friedman as well regarded in the media as, as anybody we see, three-time Pulitzer Prize winner, about where is that balance to protecting individuals' health and at the same time restarting this economy. The president can be such a polarizing figure, and I don't agree with this language many times. But if we just look at the broad concept, and you go first here, Scott, I understand what all of these folks are saying. And John raised such a good point. If, if we're going to see such a different disparity across the nation, if it's going to affect people 
by ages and pre-existing conditions, can we can we take steps forward? But it has to be data driven. <laughs> it can't be just this is my gut instinct and it matches up with my base tied to Easter and I love the symbolism about it. Right. I think it has to be data driven. I has to it has to be driven by the experts. And I'm familiar with the arguments that, that Dr. Osterholm has made. He, he did it in our paper as well, and then Tom Friedman. And and they're talking about having goals, and they're talking about let the letting the data drive the decision-making. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And I don't have the data that Governor Walls has and Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm has. But uh, to some extent, we have to trust them that they're making the right decisions here. If we look back on this and we say, gee, we didn't have that many cases, it turned out, or we didn't have that many deaths, we overreacted, that might be a better outcome than looking back on it and saying we didn't do enough, we didn't protect, protect the people of Minnesota, we had an unwieldy surge in the hospitals, couldn't put enough people on ventilators, we lost lives because of it. So a little overreaction might be the right thing. What do you, you know, think of this topic, John? I would add to Scott's well-spoken comments that it seems like ancient history now, but it was literally only about a month ago that the stock market was at an all-time high, and the biggest challenge for employers and employees was that there was a labor shortage. Yeah. And we have heard about this on the editorial board for half a decade or so from major business groups, Chamber of Commerce, and others on just how hard it is to get good, qualified employees. It was part of the overall immigration debate that has been roiling this country for several years now, and it pivoted quite quickly. Well, the underlying structure of the economy was sound. What happened is we have a pandemic, and the economy is not going to get to where everyone wants it to return to until the pandemic is contained and until there's confidence in that. And one of the risks that are run of moving too quickly to reopen, which of course, again, is everyone's objective, is that if then there is another significant flare-up or it's not contained and people pull back even further, it'll be even harder and longer to recover. And many of the Asian nations that have flattened the curve and then are beginning to reopen, such as Wuhan and Hubei province in parts of China, and of course, the success relative that they've had in South Korea is because they took extreme measures early, had a nationally coordinated response, and did what most medical professionals and scientists would say needs to be done, and then they've been able to slowly crawl out of a very horrific situation. And right now, Western societies, Italy, Spain, France, and certainly the United States are really in the thick of it. And they haven't been able to at least successfully take that that type of curative approach and, and move towards containing the pandemic and then also getting their economy back off its feet. And I think underlying, they've got to deal with the health issue because that's what caused the economic one. And Scott, the last word before we pause and get to other matters. Let's say the president continues on this track and he believes this is the right thing to do. And he says the day after Easter, April 13th, we're going to open up. We're going to change 
the federal guidelines, it is very likely you would have a number of states saying, we're not changing our shelter-in-place order. If New York is even close to where they are at right now, there are no signs Governor Cuomo would change that. You could have dozens and dozens of governors saying, no, Mr. President. You could have thousands of businesses with conflicting views unless there's greater uniformity from the country. Even though he's the world's most powerful leader, I don't see how that plays out. I completely agree with you. Uh, much better uh, strategy would be if we had a national goal, a national strategy in conjunction with governors around the country. Uh, that's not where we are. We've got uh, uh, conflicting viewpoints about when and how to address this. That's been true since the beginning of it. We went through a period where we wanted to deny that it was going to be a problem. That lasted too long. We didn't get the uh, the ball rolling soon enough. So we're behind. We've been behind. Uh, and if we if we try to speed it up now uh, so that we can pack the churches on Easter, which, frankly, I would love to I'd love to be in my church at Easter. Sure. But I'm not going to be. It's yeah. not going to happen. Let's pause and, here. When we come back with Scott and John, both, by the way, on the Centerpoint Energy Home Services Plus hotline, some very strong national approval numbers for the president. That'll be part of it. And also, how does Joe Biden stay visible when right now the most visible Democrat, and it's not close, is Andrew Cuomo? Back in moments with Playing Politics on News Talk 830 WCCO. It's a 50 past one coming up in 10 minutes. The governor will provide an outline of changes with a shelter in place for the state of Minnesota, like many, many states across the country. This is driven by data from the University of Minnesota and also the Mayo Clinic. And once the information is available, we will give it to you right here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Again, we're emphasizing that this will take place at uh, 2 o'clock. also want to give a shout-out to our digital team here at WCCO Radio. They have been just fantastic. They're working extraordinarily long hours. So I want to thank everybody involved in that for helping us, trying to provide the best information possible. We get back to uh, plain politics here. John Rash and Scott Gillespie, both on the Centerpoint Energy Home Services Plus hotline. John, I'm going to start with you. Gallup poll. Approval rating for Donald J. Trump right now is at 49%. Approval numbers for how he's handling the COVID-19 crisis, 60%. What is your reaction when you see those numbers? That it doesn't square with what many of the experts think in terms of how shambolic the initial response was, how behind the curve the United States was, and how there still are struggles in terms of the inconsistencies that we talked about in the previous segment. But it does show that the power of the Bowie pulpit, of being on television every day, of rediscovering the ability to talk to the American public, as well as the press, directly uh, gives the appearance of the decisiveness that President Trump wants to project. Again, the decisions may not be what some would want, but he's up there, he's making a call, he's surrounding himself with his chosen experts and very similar situations in other countries. Let me give one example. Boris Johnson, his poll approval numbers in the United Kingdom shot up about 20 percent 
uh, from the same perspective. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, often during a national crisis, it's natural that the public wants to rally around their leader. We've seen it in multiple times before, particularly in right after 9-11. If you remember, President George W. Bush's approval ratings went north of 90 percent in the country. And so this is a less pronounced version of that, but certainly some people are rallying around the president and everyone hopes he succeeds because if he does, then we will get on top of this and, and mitigate this pandemic at this point. Scott, it's, it's, I think it's a good quality that when we face a crisis that we rally around the leader, we give the president and, and other elected officials the opportunity to show us. I, I not shying away from points where I've criticized the president. I was left shaking my head again today when he's, he's dismissive about Mitt Romney and testing negative for COVID-19. This is a 73-year-old man who has a wife with MS. But the right. president does have this opportunity. And Joe Biden right now is invisible, right? Joe Biden is trying to find a way to be relevant. And, and Scott, it's always a referendum on the incumbent. If the incumbent is running, we're making this decision. Are you better off now than you were three and four years ago? When you have something like this, even more than ever, Scott, it is Donald Trump's presidency to win or lose because Biden is trying to find a way to fit in and have his voice heard at this point. Yeah, I don't really see how that's going to happen for him until we get past the the worst of the uh, outbreak. I think that he's stuck in that studio that they've built for him at his house, giving uh, periodic uh, uh, messages, but but not that many, because the president's got a huge problem on his hands, and the American people don't want Joe Biden to be sniping at him from a bunker somewhere. In many ways, Andrew Cuomo, because he's in the... He's in the story. He's at the at the uh, point of this uh, this arrow uh, has a better opportunity to to speak uh, about what's happening on the federal level and what isn't happening. So, um, yeah, I don't see much, uh, much more that Biden can do at at this point. And and I agree with with you, Chad, and, and also, John, that we all should hope the president succeeds here. And yes, and absolutely. we, you know, we, we want that. And uh, I hope, you know, I hope he listens to his team, his health experts and his data people. And I hope he threads that needle between keeping an economy going and also trying to prevent loss of lives. It's, it's a very difficult challenge. I hope I hope it's, he's successful. John, let's let's talk about Andrew Cuomo. He is like any politician. He has a large ego. He's had parts of his political life that have been marred by controversy and a lot of criticism. He's had Democrats challenge him the the last couple times he's run. He's he's defeated them decisively. But Andrew Cuomo has handled this extraordinarily well. You look at the number of Republicans who have praised how Cuomo has dealt with this. Yes, he's had some pointed back and forth with the president. But there have been other times when they've praised each other. And, John, to me, if you asked a huge number of Democrats right now and you said to them, you can either have Andrew Cuomo to be your nominee and the arena he has and how he's handled it and and how he handles the, 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 the depth of knowledge 
compared to Joe Biden, John, I don't. I think it'd be ninety percent would pick Cuomo. Indeed, you may be right, and it shows you the difference between campaigning and governing. In that, had Andrew Cuomo entered the race, he probably would have been dismissed early, as Bill De Blasio, the mayor of the city yeah. of New York, was. And yet, when he had the opportunity to lead, he has done that, and he's communicated extraordinarily well in his daily news conferences, where no one has questioned his facts and where he's been very specific and methodical in what is working, what is not working, and the direction that they're trying to go. And he even goes as far as separating and being very specific about what the facts are. And then when he gets to his opinion, he will label it on his PowerPoint presentation, here is my opinion. And it's been really, really effective. And yet, short of a brokered convention, it's extraordinarily unlikely he would get that nomination. What I find quite compelling as well is Senator Sanders has also had a very, very hard time getting heard, but he has not dropped out of the race, and perhaps he sees this as an opportunity to have a bit of a pause and thus a resurgence, and who knows, we may get to that convention without Vice President Biden having completely locked it up. He's still, of course, the overwhelming favorite, but it's not over yet. Gentlemen, got to jump in. We're going to listen into what the governor has to say in just a couple minutes. As always, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Chad.